Healing a sin-sick soul. Healing a sin-sick soul. What is healing? What is sickness? What is sin? And whose soul? Now before I get into this, I want to make it very clear that navigating health needs and issues is not something that should or can be ignored. Um, navigating the challenges, the very real challenges of how to get through our healthcare system, everything from filling out paperwork to taking certain drugs and their impact on your body to stigma, to all of that, I do not want to diminish the realities of the mechanics of our healthcare system and our healthcare lives. But I want to try and bring us to a place of understanding that before there is health, there actually must be care. You see, managing our health, it reminds us <clears throat> that we're vulnerable. It also reminds us that we can be resilient, that we're also susceptible, and it also calls on us to be creative. And it calls us to a certain amount of resolve. Too often, I find that health and health care in this country reinforces our insecurities about finances and our social helplessness. So what I wanted to kind of get into to start off with was just a little bit of technical stuff. Um, I, I actually am, uh, you could say, becoming, but I have been for many, many years, an advocate around HIV and AIDS, um, starting to do a little bit more writing and being a little bit more public in that advocacy as well. And one of the places where I'm feeling a call to put my energy is to encourage people to know more about what there is out there to help you avoid contracting HIV specifically something we call PrEP, uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis. Uh, right now it's available through a drug called Truvada, uh, once a day pill, and I take that pill. I am on PrEP. I am vulnerable to HIV. I'm a single man, I'm African American, and I'm sexually active. And for those reasons, I take PrEP. And it's very interesting there, I, I have some resources that I'll put out after the service about some of the arguments and, and concerns right now from activists about the cost of PrEP. I'm very lucky, I have a spectacular 
health care plan from the UUA. Thank you, UUA. So for me, taking PrEP is free. Uh, and the company that makes it, Gilead Industries, um, is making money literally hand over fist. There's an article in the Washington Post that goes into some of the details about just how much money Gilead is making. Um, to give you some figures here, they charged $800 a month for the drug when it was introduced in 2004, and now the drug costs nearly $2,000 a month. That is $70 a day per pill. Like I said, I am incredibly lucky that my health care plan is one of the ones that works with Gilead to pay them directly. But still, $2,000 a month for my treatment is going to this corporation for a pill. Now, ad advocates say that Gilead's high prices are preventing the broader use of Truvada. Um, and only about 20% of the 1.1 million people who should be taking it for prevention are actually on the drug. The cost is prohibitive for someone who is not blessed to work for the UUA or another corporation that is part of the organizing around um, making that, that a, a, a no-cost or low-cost drug. Truvada has earned Gilead about $3 billion a year and $36 billion since the drug was approved in 2004. And they are on the cusp of losing their <laughs> exclusive patent protection. That is a much longer story, and like I said, I will put the resources outside for you to have a look at that. Lower drug prices are needed, absolutely. But there's more and I will get to that. But I want to give you a, a few more little statistics before we get to the more of this. Uh, total health care employment in the United States includes some 13 million people. That's a lot of people employed connected to health care. Of the um, 11 broad GICS sectors commonly used for sector breakdown in the uh, stock market, you have energy, materials, industrials, consumer discretionary, consumer staples, financials, information technology, telecommunications services, utilities, real estate, and healthcare. Healthcare represents 20% of our GDP. There are for-profit hospitals. Lobbying in this country, <laughs> in, <laughs> in 2018, the total for lobbying in healthcare was 562,968,799 dollars. The only other year that comes close to that was 2009. Gee, what was going on then? Hello, ACA. Five million forty-nine. Uh, five, 549 million, I can't read numbers, I, I do English, uh, $932,161, that was in 2009. We have monetized our mortality. It is completely monetized. What does that say about a culture 
that would opportunistically monetize the fact that being human is fatal. When I hear the poem that Carol brought to us this morning, and I am deeply grateful for that poem, uh, because she, I, I said to her, I could do the prayer today, but I really think that it should be a woman's voice if you are open to that. And she's like, I got just the piece. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's one line that stands out for me. It is, I am not your cornfield. Too many people in this room, particularly women, are seen and regarded as the healthcare systems, I don't want to call it an industry, but it is, as their cornfield. How can we grow more wealth out of that body? And this is the part more that I wanted to talk to you about, because I can't just dwell in this space of being pissed off about that. And being angry about it is a very productive and good thing, and we need to bring that energy to our work, our activism work. A is for activism, it is also for Adam. <laughs> That's all well and good, but like I said, before you can have health, there needs to be care. And so I want to ask you, invite you, challenge you to find a way to look at your health care in some regard as a spiritual practice. That you regard your caring for your health, your caring for the health of others as a deep spiritual practice. Sometimes folks, when, when I say spiritual practice, they're like, oh, is that all woo-woo and touchy-feely? I'm like, yep. <laughs> it is. <laughs> because we're human, and that actually means being a little woo-woo and touchy-feely. And there is not enough woo-woo and touchy-feely in our world. So why not bring it to the mechanism through which we are literally touchy-feely. When I say spiritual, it's an invitation to whatever speaks spirituality to you, whatever mechanism that may be. This morning I read from the Bible to the choir and the welcome team because there is a balm in Gilead is a lyric that comes directly from the book of Jeremiah. And it speaks to me because there's more in that passage about sin-sick souls that are headed in a direction that they will not bend from, and it is the direction away from the Spirit. And I say, no, let's, let's go, let's headlong into the Spirit. And so when I invite you into regarding health care or the care for your health as a spiritual practice. I wonder, well, I want you to consider this. Maybe those pills you have to take, maybe that is a holy communion. 
maybe that is the moment where you literally ingest your future, your ability to survive. And prayer. Some people bristle at the word prayer. I don't because it's an excuse to turn off the monkey mind. You know, the one that's always chattering at you and saying, oh, I got to do this. Oh, I'm late for that. Or where am I going? And like, why aren't we getting some stuff done? Like, no, no, no. I saw a great example of this yesterday. Uh, I mentioned this at the uh, social justice breakfast. Reverend William Barber was speaking at my nephew's graduation, which was pretty gosh darn special. And he went on and on and on and on. And there were some folks who were really uncomfortable with him going on and on and on and on and on. And he kept on repeating things because, you know, you got to invoke the Spirit over and over again. There's a refrain, and it comes back time and again. And he goes on and on and on. People get more uncomfortable. Some people are getting up and leaving. I'm like, no, 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 no. Sit with it. Quiet your monkey mind and receive this message, receive this blessing. So as you care for your health, are there opportunities for you to sit with what that means? Not just when you're given a diagnosis or a new change or something happens, but in the moment, every day, when, when you're like, okay, I'm just going through my day, hey, maybe I can quiet myself and check in with my body. Maybe I can check in with that knee that's a little achy today. Maybe I can check in with that neck that feels fantastic today, but sometimes goes haywire. And maybe give it a little love. Is there a way to think of the different aspects of what it means to have a mental health illness or diagnosis and regard it a little bit more as a way to embrace altered consciousnesses. Through my youth, I had incredible depression. It was hard. And something that turned me around was thinking to myself, okay, I don't want to take drugs. I don't want to be that, that little kid. At the time, it was a huge stigma to take those drugs. What can I do to regard this part of me as something that happens and be present with it? Not threatened by it, but just present with it and hold it and hold it and hold it as another way of being and seeing the world. We have the opportunity to bring different awarenesses to our embodiment. We have that opportunity. We have the blessing to be able to do that. And I believe that within this blur of action that we have to bring forward to see actual changes happen in our healthcare system. In the midst of all the protests, we can't forget our bodies, and we can't forget the bodies of others. For me, besides 
the violence that I, I experience in the legislation that keeps on happening against women's bodies. I see it as a violence against human being. It tries to legislate the unlegislatable. It tries to politicize not just bodies, but existence. That is not our job. And so as we walk into, move into these incredible fights, irrational fights, ridiculous, stupid fights that we shouldn't have to fight, why can't we wrap ourselves in a cloak of understanding the beauty and glory and the peace of what it means to be embodied, fully embodied, whatever that means, whether that is carrying an injury, an illness, a different shape, a different way of moving, a different way of sensing the world, however you are embodied, bring it all with you into the legislation and bring it all with you with this sense of love and the sense of self-love. I guess in the end, really what I'm asking is that we all take some time to remember that it can't always be about capital H healthcare. And that often it needs to be more about caring health. May you all go out into this world with all that you are, healthy, unhealthy, growing, moving, declining, thriving, all that you are. Go out with it and know that it is loved every day. Blessed be.